0: That's in French, right? (laughs) We are live now, Michael.
1: (laughs) Je ne comprends pas. Are we live? We are live now. Let's go. Hi. My name is Michael Waits, and welcome back to e-commerce undercover. Thankfully, we had no technical problems today. Not at all, right? So it was nice and easy. (laughs) I'm in the studio, as always, with my co-host and my good friend, Martin Ronfort, the founder of Dr. Tech, the most fully featured You say innovative? An innovative platform.
0: I think, Michael, we are talking about innovation in e-commerce every week. So if it wasn't innovative,
1: it it wouldn't be the best way to get online. Definitely, definitely. I got it, I got it. Well, we're lucky today because today we have a guest. Yeah, definitely. Not in the studio. Next time he's going to travel to Bangkok, (laughs) he's going to sit
0: here in the room with us. It would be awesome. It would be awesome, yeah. (laughs) And then there'd be no echo, I think. <laughs> and no no chance for any digital no problem.
1: <laughs> Irzan, it's great to have you. Irzan Raditya. Did I get that right? The CEO mm-hmm. and co-founder of Kata.ai. Irzan, yeah, correct. Great, Thanks. It's
2: for great to have you, to Michael here. and Martin. Yeah, Wait, no, it's
1: nice. great to have you here. Um, before we get to the main topic, if there is a main topic today, can we get a little bit of your background and maybe get a better understanding of what kata.ai is. Yeah, definitely.
2: So, um, I started my career, I think, in back in 2011. But before that, um, I almost spent eight years in Germany, in Berlin, where I got my bachelor's degree okay. in computer science. Yep. And then uh, I spent some time uh, doing software engineering. So, I was an engineering at heart. So, I was a mobile developer, working in a couple of startups in Berlin, Germany. One of them coming from rocket internet. Uh, Zalando and then uh, before I went back to Indonesia to start my adventure I was the head of mobile product of takeaway.com so one of the largest food delivery service in Europe
1: oh wow so can I ask you this you said you got your computer science degree in Berlin yes and was that in German or was that in English
2: in Germany no, 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 in no, The course, of the course. In, in German
1: in German so you were fluent speaker of German
2: I had to otherwise I, I couldn't eat.
1: <laughs> no, this is interesting to me, so did you get did you learn German before you went? like how did that happen?
2: It was kind of tricky, so to speak. so Tell I my. finished my, my high school in 2007, okay and then I spent like six months after that uh, learning Deutsch German Deutsch. in a course like from from what, eight to three p m uh, every day in. And in then in, in Jakarta, Indonesia, yeah. But when I arrived in Berlin in two thousand and nine in January, I remember I turned on the TV in my apartment. I watched SpongeBob. I answered nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was sorry that was that was Squarepants SpongeBob in German. You're saying
2: correct? Yeah. Okay, and yeah. So I think I was quite thankful that I had this pre-college uh, preparation for almost one year. In right, right. that moment, I, I learned a lot about German.
1: And what was your interest in learning German as opposed to learning Mandarin or learning French or Spanish?
2: Well, I think it was uh, you know, by accident, so to speak. Okay. <laughs> because when I was uh, trying to find where I should go for my, um, my bachelor degree for my university, Right. have a couple of options like either going to australia to canada to, to, to germany so it seems that to canada to canada and to australia it seems quite costly while for for even like foreign students to study in germany it could be like zero cost so to, uh, so to speak mm-hmm. so i spent I, I didn't spend a dime for my study in germany i just had to learn the, the language did the, all the preparations all the tests and then voila i got the place there <laughs>
0: I did not know it was almost free to go to study in Germany. I know in France we had some nice program like to to host some uh, some foreign students because I mm-hmm. I guess you can hear that that I'm French, right? Shocking. So yeah. <laughs> so, so so yes, I, I know we have some great programs, but I didn't I didn't didn't know that in Germany, which you could like actually uh yeah, study there almost for free. That's that's nice. Yeah, quite
2: similar program because uh the agency that I was at, uh, there are a couple of students who who go to, who went to Germany and a couple of students who went to France for similar programs, so, so to say.
1: Nice. Got it. It's so interesting to me, right? Because most people don't know this, but, excuse me, but Indonesia is actually really close to Australia, just geographically, which means yeah. that, you know, a lot of Australians come to Bali and come to Jakarta and stuff like that and vice versa. I love the fact that you said... I'm not going to do kind of the easy thing, which would just be to go to, you know, the University of South, New South Wales or whatever and study in English, but to go to Germany, learn German, watch, you know, <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants, I think, which was the best <laughs> thing you've done, and then learn the language, also learn computer science. I think it's actually really cool. Anyway, why don't you tell us what Kata.ai is? I don't think we got there, but I think it's also cool you worked at Rocket, which is mm-hmm. in and of itself a unique experience, Yeah.
0: Definitely. And you could yeah. not have this kind of experience if you were not going to Germany, right? Because yeah. as you said, you work with Zalando <laughs> and Zalando now in Europe is like very, very, very big. It's actually, I think, the number one marketplace is if you want to go buy shoes. Uh is like, it really? It's like huge. Yeah. Like uh, for for me in France, for example, when I when I was still in France, Zalando, like everybody knows, everybody used. like yeah, it's like, yeah. like no normal, right? It's yep. like maybe the same one as Amazon in France, like just to tell you like how big it sure. is. Didn't know that. Yeah. So like if you were there and you're there, like it's definitely worth learning German, <laughs> 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 you know, like, to to work into this kind of company and into and, in, and environment, I guess you learned a lot. And then now you can a- apply that to, to your own venture. It must be very great.
2: Yeah. I learned a lot during my career years, so, but still I wish I could learn more. But anyway, going back to, um to Michael questions here. So I think when I it, it went back in twenty. So when I was studying, I took a couple of part-time jobs in, in, in Berlin. So one of them, I was uh, assigned to a job where I need to work at a call center, uh, supporting customers for some UK brands, like answering inquiries coming from the from, from, from UK, so to speak. Uh, I did like telemarketing, I did like customer service. I did that, I think, for around like two months, and I feel like the job is very repetitive. I feel like the job is very mundane and tedious. I came to the point like, oh man, I kept repeating the same script over and over again. <laughs> what if one day this job could be automated by, by a robot, by machine? Right. Uh, and then, I, and then uh, long story short, I finished my study. Uh, I, I, I did my career here and there. And then uh, in 2015, uh, there's a trend booming in the tech space globally. They call it virtual assistant. AI part virtual assistant. I think the trend was started by Magic in the US. Uh, so, Magic made a headline everywhere, like in the big news outlets, after somebody made an order for a tiger over SMS. And then, my, my spirit at the beginning, like I wanted, back, I wanted to go back to my home country and then trying to implement what I learned in Europe from, from the West to the East and then I tried to find like what's a very exciting opportunity and looking at the trend of magic and a lot of similar companies and startups popping up everywhere doing that and looking at the Indonesian market people love to be served they love texting so it's a mass population that used back then Blackberry I and SMS yeah, and I WhatsApp 10. yeah <laughs> yeah, Blackberry Messenger was a hit in 2010 and then yeah and then people love to be served and people love ease and then uh, in 2015, before it was Qatar AI, it was a B2C company, by the way, called Yes Boss. Back then, I was still working at my last, uh, I think, workplace. Uh, my co-founders, whom also good friends of mine, who studied in Germany, they went back first in June 2015 to set up operations in Indonesia. I was still in Germany, but I, I told them, "Hey, hey guys, I'll, I'll I'll back. I'll go back to Indonesia." Uh, as long as we can secure our seed funding and then came to a point I was very lucky uh, I had a phone call with uh, Kailian, the managing partner of 500 startups back in I think August it was a pitch in the evening and in the morning he handed me the term sheet and then that's the exact moment okay I'm going back for it. Again. So I went back to Indonesia. Can I, ask,
1: can I jump in? So you did the pitch to Kylie when you were in Germany. You did it over Skype or something.
2: Skype, Skype yeah. Before Zoom. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so I went back. And, but essentially, what, what was Yesboss? So Yesboss was, vir- was a virtual assistant service that could be, uh, I think, access through SMS and uh, mobile applications for customers to order anything from food delivery, e-commerce ordering, uh, book of flight, book of book, book hotel room, book a restaurant, blah, blah. But with a catch, it was done manually, manually. Mm-hmm. At the beginning from day one, my co-founders and I know that in order to make this be scalable, you would need some capability in artificial intelligence, especially in machine learning and NLP, natural language processing. The capability of machine to understand humans' natural language, but again, here's come like a chicken-and-egg problem. You couldn't build the natural language processing model, like the AI model, without having any data sets. So the question is, like, who has the data? Of course, the likes of you know, BlackBerry Messenger, Line, WhatsApp, and whatnot. Nobody would like to share this data with us. So we did what uh, is called in machine learning term as cold turkey start. So for one year, we employed like 50 customer service agents handling tens of thousands of requests coming from the customers. I think uh, from that point, then uh, you guys want to ask something before I jump into the catalog AI?
1: Yeah, I just didn't get that term. You said that term is called what?
2: Uh, cold turkey start.
1: Cold turkey start. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Can, can I just want to back up again? So first of all, I remember yes, yes, boss.
2: Oh, oh! Wow! Okay. I remember it very well, Thanks, okay.
1: and I remember, no, not at all, and I remember the first time I went to Indonesia kind of for business, not the first time I went to Indonesia was back in like 1991, but the first time I went to Indonesia for business, I believe in 2012 or 2013, I remember being surprised by <clears throat> the sort of preponderance of mobile phone usage was on the BlackBerry, and because of that, you know, BlackBerry had that SMS system, I can't remember the name of it anymore, but that's what everybody used.
2: Yeah, this is BlackBerry Messenger back then. Yeah,
1: BlackBerry Messenger. So everybody used that. In other words, they weren't using WhatsApp yet. They weren't using, you know, there was no line back then. But BlackBerry Messenger was the thing that made it really sticky. And I remember sitting in a coffee shop with somebody downstairs in one of the malls, right? And they said, look, I can order something through SMS. And I was kind of blown away, right? Right. And I think that's going to inform a lot of the rest of this conversation because I didn't remember that at the time that we started doing this, but I know Yes Boss. I've definitely heard of (laughs) it. Anyway, so you did did this call. And obviously, I know Kylie. I've known him for almost a decade. Anyway, but you did this cold turkey start. And then what happened?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so while we're building attraction for Yes Boss, serving hundreds of thousands of customers, and then in parallel, our machinery team and some linguists, we are building the AI model to understand the Indonesian language. Because Indonesian language is very much complex, even though we're using the typical alphabet A to Z. But when it comes to the texting language, uh, let's say in English, when it comes to the first person pronoun, uh, be it in informal or formal language, you could only find I, right? There's only one variation. In English, yeah. However, in English, yeah. However, if you speak uh, like Indonesian language or Bahasa Indonesia over texting, you go to the casual one, you can find 13 types of how people type I. Really?
0: How times, <laughs> yes. How many times? 13?
2: 13, yeah. <laughs>
0: wow. That's, so that's like-
2: the only one, one thing. None of the address the so actually like,
0: in French, we also have like a lot of <laughs> variation of language, right? And uh, yeah, I don't know how it is in German, but in French, like we also like have a lot of ways to, to write words and to, and to express ourselves, you know? So my question is like, does... Like when you say the 13 way to say hi when, when you want to say that, like is there like 13 different words or is there like 13 complete different ways on making the sentence and making that like and 13 different meanings in the end that almost uh, sound the same thing at, at the end? And don't worry, about
2: it, it's a little complex. By the way, it's not hi, but I. Hi, like first I, pronoun. Yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. So when, it's a, when Martin yeah. says
1: when Martin says hi, he actually means I. It's I, his oh, French yes. pronunciation. Uh, okay, okay.
2: <laughs> Apologize. <Go to> them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to it yet. yet. Anyway, it's uh, variations of how people type it. So, for example, I can mention like saya or sy being abbreviated like gue. is more casual one. G U E or G W, or some people are just using like G for for I, for example. I and Aku, Aku, and it's crazy variations.
0: Okay, so nice. many. They, they tend to have that also in Thailand, actually. Like, in Thailand, like, there is, like, so many ways to write stuff with our alphabet. Because, like, when they don't use the Thai alphabet, but they use the, the one we use for English and French, like they also like type Thai the best way they can. So in the end, it's like sometimes just just like really not the same way at all between between several people.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is in Japanese, they almost never use pronouns. (laughs) 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 Already.
0: So actually like, it must be kinda hard like to, to include all of this variation when you want to automate. Yeah, when you, want to
1: a, when you want to do natural language processing, yeah. when you want to do artificial intelligence and when you want to do the backend stuff, all the machine learning to teach it, right? That's gotta be really difficult, no?
2: That's difficult and you need data and you need talents who have been experienced in that field, which is I say like the cream de la cream, like very, very niche. And then, yeah, I think uh, going back to my story, uh, we came to a point in late 2016, our cash was running low. Uh, it's so hard to, to build attraction uh, because the service are very manual. And I think it was part of my mistake first, as well as a co-founder that we were trying to be everything for everyone because you can order like relatively anything. And then we can, and we'll use like the likes of Gojek, Grab, Tokopedia, Lazada as a proxy to order those things done by our customer service. Right, right, right. And then, yeah. So we had to make the tough decision uh, from 100 people we have in the team back then. So we had to let go like 90 of them. Oh no. But Hard. yeah. But we we're quite lucky because at the same time, our NLP model was ready for production. So the research has been coming to fruition. The second thing is that uh, we get this working uh, collaboration opportunity coming from Line, the messenger nope. uh, company, and also from Unilever. So the contract is so big, and then it could be like, similar like a like typical funding. And then we just build the prototype. Hey, uh, sir, ma'am, you can see here, we have a, the first Indonesian speaking chatbot. They wanted to build a virtual female best friend, online messenger, and, and we showcased them and then they were very happy. So we saw that, oh, if Unilever wants it, that means other companies in FMCG sectors, they would want it. Right. It means that covering e-commerce, telecom, banking, they would need the solution. So I think that's the rationale, why we changed our direction from B2C to B2B, from YesBoss to AI, in 2017 early.
0: Okay, so you used all the intelligence and all of the information that you built basically from YesBoss and then you, you get all of that and you used that for creating another project for another type of customer, right?
2: Correct, Martin. So we, we collected like over 4 million messages during the YesBoss time.
0: Okay. And what happened then to, to Yes Boss? Like, why, why did, did you stop that at, the, at that time?
2: Uh, sorry, Martin, could you please repeat your question again? Uh,
0: sorry, like, what happened to Yes Boss? Did you oh. just stop?
2: Uh, yeah, we just need to, we have to sh- shut it down. Uh, we don't have any option. And so we have, to have a tough call. People are sad because people, they felt like the connection, having a virtual assistant, uh, is a free-to-use service. They just need to pay the service and then, uh, like, their food and, and stuff. Uh, but yeah, we need to survive by
0: Because it was not profitable, right? Like you, you just could not keep doing this way.
2: Yeah, the, the mindset was like, well, let's try to do grow at all costs. And then, mm-hmm. so the profitability was very, very far from, from there. Especially in 2015, like everybody's thinking about growth, 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 growth. Yeah. Right, right, right.
1: It's the wrong way to do it. We can talk about that under separate cover. <laughs> Everything we do is undercover somehow. Can I ask you this? Was it challenging for you to deal with your investors? Or was it necessary for you to have a conversation with, you know, 500 and anybody else that had given you money and said, you know, look, we were everything to everybody, but we don't think that that's the best way to scale. Now that we've got 4 million pieces of data and we feel like we can create the proper natural language processing understanding and artificial intelligence is ready to go. Here's what we want to do. Did you have that conversation with your investors? And what was that like? Was it hard? Was it easy? Did they get it?
2: Yeah, it was, it was hard, definitely, because uh, we had to make such a pivot, so to speak. But huh. again, the justification, we had this contract, the B2B, uh, let's say, commercial contract, becoming a justification. And looking at the trend out there, AI is the future. And in 2016, everybody's talking about AI, right. conversational AI, chatbots and stuff. So I think we were just lucky. A lot of my journey, full of luck, so to speak.
0: <laughs> yeah actually i definitely agree with that, that if you had the contract to show them like hey guys we're gonna do something else using our intelligence but we already have customers yeah then it definitely makes sense right if you did not have this contract i think it would be more more harder right <laughs> it, yeah, it, would totally. not, it would not be the same discussion but had as you you add that plus the intelligence and the data and everything was working yeah why not like if yes is not profitable and you're gonna have like a hard time to make it profitable and you can have like a very easy way to profitability fence to your customers. Yeah. Like I think if I was an investor, I would say, okay, it makes sense. Like let's, let, let's go for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that Martin and I talk about a lot is why don't you have a customer? Yeah. And, and, and it also, it always sounds a little bit too aggressive, but the real question is what have you done to get a customer? And if it hasn't worked, what are you going to change to get that first customer? Because once you get that first customer, right, Everything is relatively easier, not easy, but it's relatively easier because now you have like a working product and a working paying client. And then mm-hmm. you can build other stuff around it. Is that fair?
2: That's true. Totally agree.
0: So, when did you switch to Keta.ai? 2017. Yeah. 2017. It,
2: like, it was like late in 2016, but actively like pursuing the B2B model in 2017. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's been four years right now?
2: It's been, yeah, four
0: years. Yep. Okay. I, always, I always
1: think it's great to go through a near-death experience <laughs> <laughs> in real life as well as in business life because I think it gives you a much bigger appreciation but also gives you a sense of urgency to get some stuff done.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah? Totally, totally.
1: Okay, I want to talk a little bit. I mean, what I, the, the, I have a question for us, right? And that is a lot of companies back in 2013, 14, and 15, they were saying they were building these artificial intelligence platforms. And a lot of them didn't do it. And they really just had like a bunch of hamsters running on a bunch of wheels trying to catch up to this stuff to make it look like it was artificially intelligent. But what you guys did was different, I feel like. In other words, you were training data, you hired a bunch of people with the specific reason to create an artificially intelligent, you know, mechanism that could do NLP. Do you still, what do you do now now? to still continue to improve the understanding of your artificial intelligence and your chatbots, you still must do, what is it, like learning, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question, uh, Michael. So I think we, we had the foundation and we started with 3 million messages within a year. Now we have crossed over 1 billion conversations to date. How many? 1 billion, I think. One, one billion, billion, billion conversations? One billion, yes.
1: Geez, I thought I had a lot. I've only recorded 600. You have a billion. I feel like I'm really far behind <laughs> now. i got to get to work.
2: <laughs> yeah, but there's one billion conversations from uh, hundreds of customers from multiple sectors. I think, what, what, yeah, what we do right now is, right now, it's just the tip of the, I mean, like, we, re- we barely barely the surveys. Like, if you talk about the development of natural language processing, it has been quite uh, massive. If we take a look from mm-hmm. the industry last year. So if you have ever heard about open, open AI, yep. the AI research company, which is backed by Elon Musk and Microsoft, they launched a new language model called GPT-3, which is straight over 175 billion parameters. And then it really like NLP for everyone because I've seen a lot of people like doing some experiments, building a website by using like, like say, please build a website. Uh, blah, 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 the layout looks like this, build a mobile app, blah, blah. And I think that's the future, how I can envision like a natural language, uh, could democratize people to technology. Because in order to make uh, technology more human, that's how, that's how I see the value of AI, bridging the gap between people and technology. So in our case, we still have a lot of homework to be done. Because when you go to enterprise, uh, the AI piece is not the only thing. You need to build the whole yards around it, making sure the platform is stable you can you need to make sure the security you need to make sure that it can be deployed anywhere you need to build the software on top of it so it's like an ongoing effort how we can be more relevant as a conversational AI platform that is being uh used by enterprises around uh, around Southeast Asia at the same time like how we can put more uh advancement on our natural language and I think the future is uh, maybe you have guys have seen the latest uh, Google IO uh, announcement. They have this language model called Lambda. So as if you can speak to an object. In that case, uh, what I could remember, Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, he spoke to the the Pluto, the planet. So you can ask anything about it as if uh, you can talk to, to the planet, but this is in beta. And that's, I think, the future, right? Uh, less about creating data, but Making what we see in the movies, like Iron Man has Jarvis, <laughs> has the has, has a vision. So I think that's the, the future, and we still have a long
0: way to, get, to go. Got it. Cool. That's that's very cool. And uh, I'm always like, you know, kinda wondering how this can work, basically, like, because you are, of course, like we know we know in a perfect world, every customer would ask the same question and would type everything perfectly. And it would be like, no, you know, no no mistakes in the way they write and stuff like that, right? That's a perfect world, but we know in the real world. In the real world. It, doesn't happen. It doesn't work this way, right? Like the customer at <laughs> some time, they just don't know yeah. how to type a word or they're going to feel the customer support is their friend. So they're just going to talk way too friendly with them. Right.
1: And but, so- but also, even all joking aside, yeah. right? In, in other words, you said earlier, you were repeating what you heard Irsan say. You said, I. But because of your pronunciation, it sounded to him like hi. Right, yeah. And actually, to me, I was uh, slightly confused at the beginning. And again, I'm not trying to be funny. But the reality is that that's hard, right? Because you know what you said and your brain knows what it thinks it said. Yeah. But his brain is telling him it heard something completely different. Yeah. And if there wasn't a third party to explain to him, Erzan, what Martin really meant was this. <laughs> so I'm curious about how technology solves that type of problem, right? Which is what you were asking. Exactly, yeah, how, do you, how do you do that? Because it's so nuanced and so subtle.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think this. The the role of technology, like what we did uh, is actually the the brain of the machine to process the text. And then there's another layer of it. Like we use Siri, we use Google Assistant, what we call as the automated speech recognition. And I think that's the the, the piece that could go hand in hand in the future that we can talk literally to everything. Now we might be able to talk to our smart speaker. But in the future, I believe we can talk to smart devices all around us. I can talk to what, the window beside me? And I, hey, please order me a Grab or Go-Check
1: for a ride. I I remember, you remind me of something. I remember when I was in Hong Kong, this must've been in 2004, and I was setting up a business for Goldman Sachs back then. And remember it's 2004, so there were no smartphones, there were barely even kind of like slightly intelligent phones. And there was a guy walking down the street in Hong Kong, just on the other side of, I forget what it was, Queens Road or something, I can't remember. And he was just like talking to himself, and he, he was very adamant about whatever. His hands were in the air; he was doing this kind of thing. And He was just going back and forth, and I just thought, "Oh my god, that dude's insane!" But really, he had a Bluetooth speaker in the other ear. He, <laughs> he had one of those Jabras in his ear, but I couldn't see that. And it wasn't so prevalent back then that it didn't make any sense. It took me a while to figure out. I mean, he still may be insane, but he's probably talking to his wife, right, about <laughs> picking up milk on the way home from work. But this idea that you can embed the ability to understand language into any inanimate object actually is quite interesting. And I want to ask about commerce, right? That's what we talk about here. But now that we've established all these things around the artificial intelligence and the natural language processing and sort of the development from... SMSing on Blackberries to talking to Windows. Yeah, it's a <laughs> It's a big progression. Yeah. Is there a situation where, like for instance, Martin and I went shopping today to go buy some lighting and to buy a tripod, right? Mm-hmm. And we were there, you know, since we're in Thailand, we had to ask the guy, you know, do you speak English? Mm-hmm. Because we live in Thailand. So it's up to us really to learn Thai, but we just want to know. And he said a little bit, but are you suggesting that at some point in time, we'll just be able to walk into a store and talk to the tripod itself and say, can you tell me like what material you're made out of and how much it's going to cost and where you were manufactured? And then the device will answer somehow through Bluetooth or whatever, like into my phone or into my headphones. Is that like, is that possible? Is that what's going to happen?
0: That, that, yeah. That's, that's giving me an idea, my girl, And sorry. <laughs> but like I cannot stop laughing inside of me because like imagine you say yes and imagine that's possible then we can ask a a, a tripod why are you better than him and we can ask him like why are you (laughs) you better than him? That's the question we (laughs) ask. today. So like why are you better?
1: That's that's exactly the question we asked. Yeah it was like why is this one 5,000 baht and this one 1,200 baht and the guy was like this one's made out of you know (laughs) diamonds and this is only made out of (laughs) aluminum.
0: So, yeah, so, like, I asked the guy, like, why this one is, is better than, than, than this one, because it's five times the price, so if we can talk to, to the tripod, we can, like, make them talk to tor Could you to imagine the
1: more expensive <laughs> tripod just getting really sad, like, well, I'm just overpriced kind of thing. Anyway, go ahead, Irzan. you were saying? Yeah, uh, what I was
2: saying, that uh, I think that's the far-fetched future, and I believe in Ten to twenty years will be get will get there, but at least well, what I can think of what might be coming in the next five years is you have like a virtual assistant in every store, who knows the having the knowledge like the the guy who's you uh, you you're, you're asking as uh, the storekeeper having the knowledge about the items they have, and then imagine that they could scrap information from Google reviews, from Amazon, from right. from Lazada, Lazada, and so on. I think I think that that's uh, the future of commerce. But uh, if you talk about where we are today, uh, back, uh I think a couple of minutes ago, we talked about the novelty, right? Yep. Now, now we talk about the reality. Yes. Yes. <laughs> being yes. pragmatic about where the technology is and where the market is. Uh, talking about commerce, probably we have heard the term of conversational commerce for the last what five to six years. It's been coined all along. Uh, in Southeast Asia, especially in Asia and uh, Thailand, conversational commerce is the heart of commerce. Because first, as we know that we are, we we, we are like, uh, we are like this kind of a uh, counters that we who, who are using like messaging applications for more everything
1: more than anywhere else in the world in a way.
2: Totally, we use WhatsApp, Line, Facebook Messenger not only to connect with our family, peers, right. uh, colleagues, but a lot of like business deals and transactions could be done through WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, the core of conversational commerce in a traditional way. And then looking where, how people shop, especially like the rise of, uh, the rise of like micro retailers, the micro sellers, now the rise of Instagram is accessible. Smartphone is getting cheaper. Instagram becoming like the, I would say replacing Google when it comes looking for information about products, about retailers, about item. The customer journey is always like that. You look up for the item you like on Instagram and then you go to the, the bio of the account Either they will redirect you to WhatsApp or Lime, maybe in Thailand. And you have a chat with the with, with, with a, with a merchant, right? With the retailers. And you took a screenshot of the item you like, you ask, hey, do you have the stock available for this size, for example? If I want to buy shoes, you have like size US nine. It will take a while, definitely, for the sellers to, to look up for the, what, the stock availability because he or she might be handling like thousands or hundreds of customers. Right. Uh, same as same inquiries. And then uh, finally reply, and then uh, here's your, the link of the payment, or like, here's my bank account. Uh, and then I make the transfer to my, let's say like mobile banking. I take a screenshot of my proof, he or she will check it out, check, it, check, check to the bank account where the money is in, and make the shipping. It's so very cumbersome, but it works. The conversion is very, very high. So the, the big question is like, how can we make conversational commerce more accessible, and also, I think, in a more streamlined and automated way. Because the market opportunity is huge in the Southeast Asia alone. Uh, if you talk about Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam, it will be like a $42 billion market by 2025, yeah, growing I mean, six times from yeah. 2019.
1: Yeah, I mean, according to BCG already, I think in the United States, it's a $35 billion a year market for conversational commerce. But you're right particularly in Indonesia and in Thailand, two of what I'll call the biggest social media markets in the world, what that means is that we're spending more time online, but also more time chatting with each other, whether you're right, it's online or WhatsApp, or in some cases Viber, which still exists, right?
2: Viber, yeah.
1: And Facebook Messenger and all these other platforms. Are we going to run into a situation? So here's the way I look at it you know, before everybody had an an ability before restaurants and stores had the ability to take orders online, right? You kind of had to walk in, you had to call them and even their POSs weren't automated, but now all the POSs, right? The point of sales machinery that they have is all automated. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And right now there are some stores where you can use WhatsApp and line and messenger and stuff like that to, to do some things, but it's not properly manned. In other words, at some point somebody has to manage that. Now, you could have a bot doing that. I'd like to, maybe you can talk about how bots can manage most of that process and then talk, yeah. about, and then talk about how AI just drops, if, if it does, for like more complex questions. And then are we going to get to a situation where every retail shop has some kind of conversational commerce in it, the same way they all have a, an electronic POS now? Is that going to happen as well? So it's a few questions in there. That's a very good question,
2: Michael. So I think the first thing we need to understand is, even though there are e-commerce marketplace like Lazada, right. Shopee, Indonesia's Tokopedia, and then there is this uh, food delivery service like GrabFood, GoFood, yep, why people steal, exactly, why still people use WhatsApp or Instagram or online or to connect to the merchants? Yep. And the funny thing that we came to think instantly, we assumed that if we just seemingly automate the service, and then uh, create a flow of automation with chatbots with some a bit of NLP in there, people will be find useful. But that's a simplification apparently after we learn further. So when people, they, they make a chat, they want to have understanding about the stock is available or not. Right. They want to get more information about the product. They want to get more advice or recommendation. And I think this is the, the piece that looking at the, technology is still very, very hard to automate, but there are ways to make it easier. So that's a, sim- a simple thing like, imagine a, a merchant, they need to uh, address inquiries coming from WhatsApp, Instagram line, but in, in different applications. It's quite painful. The yeah. uh, operation manager don't have the data, which, which agents or with uh, sales admin is the most responsive, uh, how the customer responds. The s- most, most important thing is, unifying all these fragmented chat applications into one, or we call it the omnichannel messaging experience. So do what, that's what we also do at AI. That's the core stuff. Before we get there, after that, then we will find a way like what 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 needs to be automated because we, we thought that uh, conversational commerce is one size fits all. The reality is not. When, when people ask about food, it's more like straightforward because uh, I see the coffee, I see the cake, fine. Maybe like one two questions, we can do some FAQs. if I uh, have a question about clothing like 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 dress, I think it's more complex. You will ask, what about this brand uh, do you, How do you compare like the, the size medium for your brand compared to that brand, for example, my, my, my body size something like this, what would you recommend? I think it's more complex in that case, the AIPs will be on a back end the way okay, I look at it, making agents uh, responding to inquiries faster and uh, providing like intelligent suggestion so they could work in a more streamlined way. So oh. I think that's the reality of what we have today.
0: So you mean like today, the AI actually help the customer support team to answer faster and don't like directly answer to the end customer, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, correct. So I think Martin right. so yeah. that's the, the current sales quo. Okay, so
0: it's kind of like yeah. a, a, a hybrid system right like you still need some human to handle the customer support but these human are helped and backed by ai would like make their work much easier and faster right but they still will change so there's no mistake and in case there's something too hard that comes in then they, they can process it right but it still teach the ai behind and, and hopefully the ai gets better and better and better at automated stuff right that's smart Correct. That's, that's a good way to, 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 to do it.
1: So I've got a few questions. Can I just jump in for a 2nd
0: mm-hmm.
1: So just a bunch of things. First, really quickly, how do you make the handoff between the chatbot or the artificial intelligent agent and a human, right? So let's say I'm just asking really simple stuff like, you know, do you have the Rode Pod mic in, in, um, in stock? Yes, I do. Great. Um, is it still $125? Yes, it is. Great. Can I get an XLR cable with that in orange? Yes, I can. Great. These are easy things for an AI and for a chatbot to answer. Mm-hmm. But if I say something a little bit more complex where, okay, that's great. I'm glad that you have that in stock, but should I buy the NTSA1? Should I buy the Rode PodMic or should I buy the Procaster? And if I'm going to use it together with the Rode Podcasting Pro mechanism, what should I do? the bot is just going to get confused and fair enough because a human would get confused too. But how do you handle the sort of seamless handoffs? I know a lot of people are working on this, right? Where the bot just goes, I don't know. And then a human just jumps in and says, okay, let me just confirm that you really want to get this type of thing and that type of thing. And then they help you solve that problem in a way that only a human can. How do you handle that? And then I, I mean, I've got so many other things I want to ask you cause it's so interesting, but go ahead.
2: Sure. I think looking where we are today, if that case hey, that, that kind of case happened. so the it's very I think uh, irritating every time we ask about and I'm sorry I couldn't answer your question. So the way we would handle that, uh, we will automatically reroute the I think the information to, to the agent. So uh, thanks for your question. I let my I will let my my buddy here, for example Adam, to handle these inquiries. But the the best way from right from the beginning uh the brand should inform the customers that they're talking to a virtual assistant about right, right, right so too measure expectation so i think that's how we do agent handover so to speak because um, otherwise if it's too late to handle uh, i think it eliminates the possibility to close the sales
0: yeah and actually i'm gonna just add, 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 add something to Good. michael's question before michael you asked your new question because i know you have a lot of ideas <laughs> and, and that's a very very interesting topic so that's why we have so many questions but like what i want to say is that as soon as i see that i'm talking to a virtual assistant i just close the window to be honest like <laughs> it's because like all the bad experience that i had before with very bad chatbots and and ai and most of the time like we call it ai but it's not really ai it's more like a mm-hmm. bunch of you know of of uh, of ready answers and there's like a, always like three or four options and they create like, a huge tree, tree of all the possibilities and in case you're not inside then hey yeah let me and let me give it to that to real customer support s- s- specialist and it ends up there 99.9 percent of the time because their, <laughs> their thing is very bad right so that's my experience with hey hi and and also like because uh like i am building a startup where we are creating uh, e-commerce website, so kind of like sh- sh- Shopify, but of course, much be- better, better than just that, better than that, yeah. like so much better than that, of course. <laughs> so actually, so what I did is that I went to my customers and I asked them, like, hey guys, like, why don't you use an AI or a chatbot for your customer support or for your pre-sales question, right? And this was the number one thing that came out of this discussion that I had with my customer was like, yeah, because most of the time AI are bad, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so like people are used to bad AI. So if we put some AI, most of our customers want GV to try, like just because we are used to something bad, right? So how do you, if if you do, uh, how do you solve this? How this, do you change that this, mindset? Yeah, right? this, this bad mindset because of the bad history, let's say about AI. Yeah,
2: that is true, Martin. I mean, like uh, the, the fiasco of chatbots, you know, mm-hmm. people Spoke highly about it, but uh, somehow it didn't manage to deliver expectation. In, in our case, sometimes uh, we, we had that kind of experience in the past too. So I think what, what, we do, what we did is that we have to be very pragmatic, like looking at the data first, making sure there's a real communication between the agents and the customers, and making sure that the train data is bulletproof, handling like 70, 80% of the questions which are coming to that. Because uh, I've seen a lot of like people, they're building like a chatbot without considering you looking like the real user experience because right. it's always about, you always put yourself in the customer's shoes and then optimize for the most suitable user or customer experience and work the technology backwards. It's not the other way around because if we start with technology and we try to expect a build, uh, we expect the time to serve the user experience, sometimes it doesn't work out. So I think that's the, the key part. So which we, led to the Sometimes sometimes that we have, we have to put the AI at a back end while the customer service serving the customer at the forefront, how the AI could help the customer service agents work faster.
0: Yeah, I think it a smart way to approach it. Like, for example, for my customer support team, which nowadays is quite small, <laughs> but like I would love to... And very French. And very French. <laughs> but like right now, I imagine the process, like instead of getting like two more agents, what about we made the agent reply twice faster because we get the AI to pre-write the answer for him and you just need to eat sent, 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 sent. That's fine. Oh, this one is not, not, not good. Bit, so change it. Yeah.
1: Change it. So this is my whole idea, right, around that artificial intelligence should augment human service. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't replace it. There are various, like I said, the, the, the reason why I gave the example that I gave is this in stock because that AI should be connected directly to a storeroom or a warehouse or some kind of ERP or warehouse management system. And they should know instantaneously in a way that a human would have to type. Mm-hmm. But this literally just goes right over the line, right into the stock system, into the warehouse system and just comes back with a yes or no. It's a binary thing. That should be really easy. And as long as I think Arizona said this, as long as you tell the client, you know, simple questions will be answered by an artificially intelligent agent. I don't think anybody cares. I think what they do care about is like, hi, my name is Frank. And you're just like, that's not a person.
0: <laughs>
1: just definitely not a person. <laughs> Don't Frank me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's definitely not real.
0: Yeah. I
1: think that's frustrating because then when it breaks down, then people get frustrated. And you
0: damage the brain. Yeah. yeah. Totally.
1: But my, my follow on is this, right? Is that, you know, you said when you were, I can't remember the word you used again, when you were going cold Turkey, right? When you're doing your cold Turkey start, you had to hire <laughs> a bunch of, agents to do the customer service so then you could train the artificial intelligence. It's a great strategy. In a way it's the only strategy, right? But the beauty of the artificially intelligent assistant is that one of them can serve literally a limitless number of people, as long as you have the bandwidth and like the servers and the disk space to do it. But how do you try to control for when you have that seamless handoff? Cause nothing's worse than like being on the phone you know, calling your bank to find out some information about your loan or whatever and having them say, you know, the next available agent will be ready in 15 minutes. And you're like, I don't have 15 minutes. I need to know this thing right now. But if you have the AI person doing it, then they can handle everything at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. But if 15 people or 50 people need to talk to an agent because of some issue, unrelated, right? How do you figure out how to staff that part of it? Because that, again, is going to help you do some more training like it's this virtuous circle or it should be right how do you figure out how to staff that
2: uh come again sorry michael what's your your question here so how do you Uh, out how to staff it
1: in other words if the bots can answer a million questions at a time for a million people Mm -hmm. let's say a certain percentage of them that's just too high Mm -hmm. you need to get a handover to a human how do you figure out how to staff what that handover how many people that is
2: oh right yeah because that's good for
1: training as well yeah
2: yeah so I think it goes back to the, what kind of in inquiries, like the severity, uh, that's the role of natural language, even though it seems that there's an agent handover, but we can see like, the the for example, the sentiment from the type of the words that they use, like how many, uh, for example, exclamation marks, and then whether they use lock, all caps lock, Well, people are very, very urgent and we should prioritize that. And that's also like uh, another layer of machine learning in order like, uh, using AI to, uh, to, to, to give a priority when it comes to the agent routing, So I yeah. think that's also possible.
1: Yeah. Okay. So one of the other things that I've learned over time, right? And I learned this at restaurants more than I've learned it at regular retail shops. And that is, you know, I went to a guy that makes hamburgers here. This is a true story. And outside of his restaurant, there were, you know, grab drivers. There were linemen. There were Lala move. Like there were all these delivery people you know, and inside the restaurant was like 50% full. And I said to him, what's the breakdown between who you serve here and who you serve via delivery? And he was like, oh my God, it's like 75% delivery. It's insanity. The orders just keep coming in. And it's like 25% in-house. And I said to him, okay, but how do you get the data to segment your clients and to learn more about them and then to determine how much of this you need to order and that you need to order? And some of his frustration was around the fact that if he goes through sort of the big, online food ordering platforms, he doesn't get any of that data. But it seems to me like if you use kata.ai, like if I use it and I run a hamburger shop, I get the data as well. Do you see a move from these sort of big platforms into the individual companies that wanna use it? Because they could never build the tech themselves, but now that you've built it, they can use it. Do they get a data benefit by doing that as well?
2: Exactly. I think we're here to, to aim the rebels, at Shopify set. <laughs> so imagine like we, we are more into like the Shopify model, like enabling these merchants to have to build their own kind of like direct to consumer channel. Well, uh, it's very hard to expect people to download another app because you can imagine maybe you, you, you drink like three three types of what uh, coffee brands and then you have to install the app one by one. It's very painful. Uh, and... It's very def- uh, hard to develop, I mean, costly as well. And for getting people to download and use it, it's, it's uh, very, very tedious. And this is the role where I see like WhatsApp. WhatsApp is like an operating system, like a super app that we use every day in Indonesia. And the idea of the customer, I think that's the most valuable, num- one most valuable asset, h- how a brand should leverage. Because imagine, uh, let- let's take a case like this. For example, I discovered this brand over their website. And then uh, I put the items on a basket, but then for some reasons, uh, I didn't manage to, to, to the checkout. And then I will get a WhatsApp notification. Hey, I noticed that you put this item on a basket. Uh, let, let, let me know what I can help. Otherwise you can also finish the payment on WhatsApp. And then for example, if I need some uh, help, then I'll be handed over to customer service agents. If I wanna finish my payment on WhatsApp, it's also possible connecting to the payment gateway uh, out there. And that becomes the first touch point a brand could uh, interact with their customers further, becoming a loyalty management, I would say platform. Because otherwise you get the data, you can ask them to reorder your products and then they could speak to your customer service if needed and then any, any, any other use cases. Same thing like, for example, uh, imagine that uh, I was speaking to like an omnichannel retail brand. Yep. First they had this online web store, and then next week I go to the store, uh, offline store in some malls, let's say in, in Bangkok, and then uh, I make the purchase, and then the cashier asks me about my phone number. And then uh, I will get notification after that, hey Yezan, thanks for, for making your, your, your second purchase this, this week, uh, what can I help? blah, blah, blah. And I think that's the real omnichannel experience like leveraging this uh, messaging channel, especially WhatsApp, becoming like your, uh, your your medium, how a brand could build relationship with their customers.
0: Okay, that sounds good. That sounds, that sounds very good actually. The omni-channel uh, ID is very, very important in, 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 in e-commerce. Like almost every brand try to do that, try to have like several touch points with their customer because like, it works. That's it, right? And like most of the customers, if you only talk to them for, for, for email, you have like, what, 10% open rate, 5%, 50%, depends on your brand. If you do like some some social media stuff on Instagram or Facebook, then same, you going to have very little coverage. But if you add up all of that, in the end, you might touch a, a, a much bigger proportion of your audience. And then you, you make them more engaged and you can turn them into more re- repeated so this is why the omni channel ID always uh, yeah works and like a lot of brands try to, to do that. So we are doing also like a lot of stuff like as you as you said, for example, with abandoned uh, the abundant cards, like we you, you go to the shop, you had something in into your cart, and then um, and then you, you connect the software that's gonna get the email address or the phone number and uh, and we remind you, hey and you forgot to, 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 to buy your cart. So like, yeah, so here it, it is. So currently what I see the most uh, in, in e-commerce is that people are going to send a, a, a coupon. So they're going to send you a discount, like if you order mm-hmm. in the next one hour or 24 hours. But that's true. I never seen someone who say, hey, you didn't buy your cart. Can I help? Do you have a question? Like, is there something that I can do to help you? And this is true because like, if you send that and you can actually answer and say, yes, I need help. You need people to answer back, right? And this is like where you need staff and you need like a customer support agent and all of that. But I see that the abandoned card strategy that people do in e-commerce are very, very effective. When you send a coupon, like a discount, It really helps close the sales and then increase revenue like a lot. Yeah. So what if we say now, because we have AI, so we have like a a better customer support team and we say, hey, can we help? Can we like increase even more um, these conversion rates? That's that's, that's a question worth trying, I think.
1: I want to go, are you you there, Zan?
2: Yeah, I'm here.
1: I want to go back to something you said earlier about Mm -hmm. unifying the fragmented world of chat applications. This is something that I think about a lot, right? So if you can make an equivalency between how fragmented chat applications are to how fragmented the hotel industry is or the airline industry is, right? And then you can say on top of the airline industry and what are they called? um, GDAs, I can't remember what they're called, GDSs, right? You have companies like Booking.com and Traveloka, they kind of sit on top. They build a platform on top of every other platform to control the mechanism for everything. So they're indifferent to which hotel you're booking as long as you're booking a hotel, right? They don't care. And they're not affiliated with any single one of them. <clears throat> Should somebody build a chat app that just consolidates, right? And unifies all of the chat apps that already are out there. And if somebody builds another chat app, they have to connect to that to do the same thing that like Agoda did for travel or traveloka did or all these, you know, or even uh, like Kayak did for airlines. Does that make sense? So that now you only have one app and everybody else who signed up for, for a different chat thing, it just feeds into your one big chat app. So it's not so fragmented. And then there's a follow-on question to that. For a company like Kata.ai, right? If you've done a billion conversations and you are helping retailers through conversational commerce, whether they're gigantic retailers or small retailers, Do a bunch of things like get their own data, do customer service, analyze that data to give customer service to get better products, to get a better product breakdown. If you want people to stay on platform and you understand what everybody else is doing, should a company like Kata also be in the payments business? In other words, and there's more to that, right? Let's say I'm on a chat app and I'm going back and forth. Let's say I'm using WhatsApp. It doesn't really matter or whatever this unified app is that I was talking about. And Kata's managing the process for a retailer. And I say something like, you know, is this in stock? Yes, it is. And then I say, okay, great. I'd like to buy it. How can I pay for it? If Kata can insert itself into the payment process, right, that's great. But what if they say, what if the retailer then comes back or the bot automatically comes back and says, you may want to buy some product protection for that? and we can distribute or sell you some insurance. We can embed some insurance in the product because we know that insurance works really well at POS, at point of sale. Contextual insurance is like the new, new thing. Can you do that? And can you take a piece of that? And then also, if they're always shopping at the same place, can Kata be involved then in the payments, the insurance, and then the loyalty as well to build out this gigantic, like I control the retail experience platform. Does that make sense?
0: That's a huge vision.
2: <laughs> makes sense, Michael. Totally makes sense. Uh, we want to think about this too. So, I think answering your first question is that uh, if we talk about from consumer perspective, oh, I just use like one, chap- one, one chat app that could Everything. chat to people on WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Lion, others. It's, it's an, it's, it'll be amazing if you could have that. But the reality is just it's very impossible due to the, you know, they are like pa- platforms who are battling with each other. But if the expectation of uh, building like an omni-channel, a multi-channel chat dashboard for businesses, that's what we are doing at Cutting AI. So yeah. enabling the agents to do more, uh, streamlining all the chats into one platform from WhatsApp, Instagram, direct message, uh, Facebook Messenger online, and others. Is that answer your question, Martin, for the first one?
1: Yeah, so the businesses don't care, right? In other words, instead of having five different devices and a chat comes in on WhatsApp or a chat comes in online or a chat comes in on... Facebook Messenger, they just get a chat, right? And they can answer it on their one unified thing. So it just sits there and says, you know, Michael wants to have Michael has a question about road microphones. And they just right. yeah. they don't care whether it comes in on WhatsApp or not. Right?
2: Yep. Yep. Go yep. ahead. Yeah. And I'm answering your second question. Um, I think that's the the beauty part of it. Once you manage the communication and then you know how to make people convert, and that's the piece that you can be creative in making your business model works. I mean, not because instantly what we think about building like a customer service dashboard, is like a SaaS model. But if you are in Southeast Asia, well, SaaS uh, will be a good age in the next 10 years. Right now it's the age of commerce and, and fintech. Yeah, how yeah. you can t- take peace out of it. So I think that's also the area that we're looking at at Kata now, how we can build a really conversational commerce platform, not only like a customer service platform, so to speak. Right, and right. then the, the interesting part is, uh, gentlemen, what we see the trend is uh, coming from the big companies like Twilio, for example, like a billion dollar public companies who are uh, orchestrating all these communications through WhatsApp, SMS, and others. Right. And some other companies like MessageBird and others. Now, after communications, they are jumping into what they call as customer data platform. Because for you to build a hyper-personalized interaction, building contacts not only from the chat that you receive as, as a business or an, as an agent, but taking the context of the user history, taking context from the previous conversation history, the world knowledge, the industry knowledge, I think that's the building blocks that business needs to build a hyper-personalized conversation commerce. Right.
0: Yeah, and when you have a team who do that, like they need some time to read all of the previous tickets and like if, even if you can summarize it like and make it like easier, but they still have to to mentally go back into the previous inquiry and the previous problem and the and the and, and the profile of a customer, right? And and a I can get all of that almost instantly because that's so much faster for, 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 for the software to think about it, right? So it can definitely like as you said Maybe not to replace human, but empower human, make them like so much more powerful and be able to do some so so much more things. So in the end you have less staff cost to be able to 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 handle just just, just customer support. Am I in the right direction, Arzan, or not at all?
2: Yeah, totally, Martin, that makes sense. That's the power of AI to make the personalization through automation. I mean if you ask me what's the future of conversational AI or conversational commerce, it should be like personalized as if we are opening Netflix. What you have on your home screen and what I have is different, right, Martin and, and Michael. And then when you open, uh, let's say Instagram and you go to explore page, you present that with the content you might like, uh, account that you might follow, but you haven't explored yet. So it, it suits your taste. The same thing, I think, uh, one day with conversational AI or having a virtual assistant, it would be following the style of your language. For example. The information, the presented menu and promo will be different from one to another, and I think that's the the future of conversational AI commerce, like doing personalization, and empowering the people behind it to do more.
0: But like if you want to do that, it means like you get to be very, very, very big to 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 help the customer everywhere he goes, right? And on, on every website he goes, you, he needs to connect to the same AI, which can help him with the same style and the personalization, right?
2: Yeah, but but I think uh, if we try to be anything for everyone at the, at the, at the day one, I think it, it's it's impossible. So I think the most rational way is using the Amazon way, starting with one vertical and category. Yeah. And they start with books, right? Before expanding to others, the same thing with conversational commerce. To make it work in the most personalized way, you pick like one vertical industry, you do best at that, and then you move on to others. That's my my, 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 my uh, I was thinking on to make it more realistic.
0: So I have two questions for you regarding that. The first one is how hard it is for you to go into a new verticals?
2: Yeah, it depends. Like how deep, right? If we just want to do some like automation layer on FAQs and stuff, connect to these APIs, I think that's possible. But we we aim to do more. So right now we are trying to crack like the commerce piece in in conversational commerce. I think that's the, the focus right now. And then there like big areas, what we look like, uh, healthcare, financial services, education, and others.
0: Is it like a matter of months, matter of weeks, a matter of years to be able to have something that works well?
2: I would say right now, it's still the matters of, of, of years. If you want to have like a world-class like experience, if you want to have like a yeah, social experience, it can be done in a matter of like weeks or months. With
0: some months, okay. And yeah. my second question is, what about new language? Like for example, Your you're in French. How hard it is it for you, which, with what you have, to be able to provide the same thing in a totally new language? Is it like the same? A matter of weeks, a month, or years? Yeah. Year? Yeah.
2: The, the good thing these days is there's a, a technique called transfer learning. Now we are able to do it in Indonesian language and in English. Uh, with that basis, it's easier for us to work on new language. It can be right now. I think in a matter of uh, weeks and months, based on uh, our internal research discussion, different from like months ago. That needs to, you know you need to different have data from each of language. Although by the other day you would need similar uh, data from each language to fine-tuning the language model, especially getting the context of the product of the brands. But now it's getting easier, so to speak. AI has grown exponentially.
0: Okay. Can you give me more details about that on how you can make French valuable in a matter of months? I just try to understand because I'm very, very curious about that. And to be honest, I could be one of your customers. customers exactly, I know. This, this is like a reverse sales yeah. call. <laughs> please, please tell me how you can help my stuff. In a matter of weeks. that would be very awesome. But, but, yeah. but to be honest, I'm very like dope, 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 follow That's why I'm, I'm asking you that. not, not, because I want to be mean just because I really want to- He want wants to hit, have the product. want <laughs> his to, uh, to work very, very well because like, I really, really emphasize a lot on customer support and pre-sales question at my c- company. Right. And this is uh, one of the biggest key difference we have with like huge giants like Shopify, for example. And to be fair, I think like every startup has, has this age to have like awesome customer support because yeah. it's much easier like to, to serve a small number of customers than, than a huge number of customers, right? So right? So we can be awesome there. So we have to, 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 to do it. So great. So if, 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 if we do that, it needs to, to, to be great. <laughs> but I'm very curious on how it can <laughs> scale to multiple language, like in terms of business, right? So how can you do that in a few weeks or in, in a few months in French?
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't speak the details here. Oh. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I'm opening like a secret out there. But imagine this, days, uh, the key components are we have English and then there's transfer learning. The second piece, uh, the third piece is machine translation. Like, we, we now even can, can do like translating from English to Indonesian language or vice versa. And if we try to find like French data sets, it's, it's a lot
0: in the internet and I it's, it's possible. Mm, so you would so use existing data and then translate what you already have into French and back then so you can use all the data that you already have. That's kind of the idea, right?
2: More or less. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it's,
1: it's more, I think transfer learning is actually more complicated than that, but more mm-hmm. or less that style. Mm-hmm. Look, I think we've had an unbelievable conversation and I also feel like we could go on for hours on this. Should we? I? <laughs> I feel like maybe we should have Erzon back on again to do this. There's hopefully this was as much fun for you. I mean, I learned a ton and I've got, you know, my job is to ask questions because I'm just so curious and I've got plenty more, but I think we'll let you go. It was really, really awesome to have you as a guest. It was nice to meet you as well, actually. And to learn more about the transformation from yes, boss, into Kata.ai, because I had wondered what had happened, so congratulations for you on that. And let's keep the conversation going. We'd love to have you back, but thank you again for coming in today. Thanks, Martin, for amazing questions on your side as well. And
0: thank you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: thank you so much, Michael and Martin, for this opportunity. I think uh, it's a very, it's been a very fun conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much. I would love to get in touch with you guys.
1: We'll definitely do that.
0: We'll definitely do that. And I look for cat that to be uh, in French. Have uh, everybody in French soon. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, guys, Thank
2: guys.
0: You
2: take care Bye 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 for now.